All right, let me do this. Open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We're actually going to get into Psalms. We're going to finish the Psalms today, at least our, our series on the Psalms. We're going to be in Psalms 103, and I'm excited to get there. But let me lay some, some uh, groundwork this morning, if I could. Um, I want to read from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Follow along with me. If you, That's not going to be on the screen, so open up your Bibles. It says, since God chose you, to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. How many of you are grateful God chose you? That means he reached down and grabbed you and he opened your eyes and he led you to his son Jesus. Aren't you grateful for that? But I want to ask you a question. Whose job is it to put on kindness and humility and gentleness and patience? Notice what it says there. You guys were a lot sharper, by the way, than first service. They, they just stared at me, all right? Look at what it says there. You must clothe yourselves with mercy and kindness. That means don't go out in public naked. You have to get up in the morning, and you have to get dressed. And now that you're born again, and now that Christ is living in your heart, how many of you know he expects us to live differently than the people that don't know him? And so we have to get dressed every morning. We have to make a choice. And this is what we put on. We put on mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Look at verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive some of the people, maybe, if you feel like it, who offend you. No, that's not what it says. It says, make room, make allowance for everyone's faults, because none of us are perfect, and forgive anyone who offends you. Now, who, who has the power to do that? You do. In fact, it's a commandment to us. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Anybody grateful for that? So you must forgive others. Now, here again, look, another admonition to get dressed. Verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves. That means you're putting on this clothing. Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And then Paul adds here, oh, and by the way, always be thankful. Now, I mean, you know, this is some really good practical stuff here about what we need to do every day, about how we need to treat each other, about certain things that are non-negotiable in our lives. You know, I had a dear woman today, someone was freaking out, a family member, uh, about the whole vaccine thing, freaking out and, and telling her all kinds of things, and really speaking curses over her life. And she was rattled this morning. And I said, hey, don't let people push you out of the peace of God. Part of how you know that you're living in the kingdom is you live in right thinking, righteousness, right standing with God and others, peace and joy. Two-thirds of those qualities are emotional responses. I want you to see this. When we're not living in the joy of the Lord and we're believers, it's because we're not thinking correctly about reality. I want you to hear me. We're not thinking correctly about reality. In other words, the joy of the Lord should be our default People would have to try to knock us out of the joy of the Lord. And let me just tell you have, you, have you had anybody challenge your peace or challenge your joy? Just wave at me if that's you. Okay. We all get our peace and joy challenged, but we have the power to live under the kingdom, the king's domain. And under the king's domain, 
the normal environment where God hangs out is joy and peace. Can I just tell you something? When we come together on Sunday morning and you can tangibly feel the presence of Jesus, the energy, the love, when I turn you all loose and I can hardly you know, get you to settle down because you're hugging and laughing and all that, when we celebrate communion at the end of the service and we see the love and the affection for one another, there's, how many know it's like we're living in a foreign place? We're living in an embassy of Christ on planet Earth and the atmosphere is just like heaven. So can I just tell you something this morning? Fight for your peace and fight for your joy. And one of the ways you, you, you live there is by giving thanks for all things. Just praising the Lord all the time, trusting him all the time. Now look at verse 16. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives and teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms. Here we're talking about the psalms again. Sing them. Sing him, sing spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts, and whatever you do or say, wow, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. So how many of you know when, when we read the Psalms and we meditate on the Psalms and we sing the Psalms, the purpose of the Psalms is to remind us of the goodness and the greatness of God's power in our lives, to remind us of his faithfulness. And so we're going this morning, you can follow along the screen with me, we're going this morning to Psalm 103, Psalm 103, and it's a psalm that reminds us of the blessings of God. In fact, the message this morning is just called, Bless the Lord with an exclamation point. In the first five verses, we, we, we're introduced to the, to the first overture here by David. We're reminded of God's covenant blessings, and we're going to cover those. In the next few verses, David goes right to the character of God, and he begins to extol the greatness of God's character. And then we get to the last section, and it is a call from David's heart for all of creation to give worship to God. Now, let's go ahead and begin with the first few verses here. And I did this intentionally this morning because my goal is not to drill deep in terms of deep teaching and breaking down verses and words and all that. My goal is not even to preach to you this morning. How many of you know sometimes the Bible tells us just to read the psalm or read the Bible? How many of you know the Bible itself speaks for itself, sometimes better than we could, and it's such good news. Here's what I want us to do this morning. Can we just be cheerleaders for Jesus as we go through this psalm, all right? When, when, you, hear, when you hear the benefits of God for God's people, it is appropriate to give a response. That response is, hallelujah, praise the Lord, yes, clapping, shouting, cheering. That's what sane people do when we connect dots between what God says is true about us and what we get to enjoy because of what Jesus has done for us, all right? So y'all ready to be part of a cheerleading group this morning? And, and how many of you know, this is what it means. This is what it means to make much of the Lord. It means when you hear about who he is, you go, yes, that's God, yes, 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 I receive that, thank you, Lord. It's, it, it's, that's what it means to bless the Lord with all your soul, with all your heart. So I, I'm reading this morning out of a paraphrase, out of the Passion Translation. How many of you have read through the Psalms out of the Passion Translation? If you haven't, I encourage you to. It will inspire your heart. Uh, it is an intimate translation. It is, a trans it is a colorful translation. And I want you to feel this because this is a, a, an extolling psalm of praise to God for his greatness, all right? Let's go ahead and look at verses 1 and 2. 
With my whole heart, everybody say whole heart. With my whole life, everybody say whole life. And with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. Have you ever been in worship when we're singing songs like we were singing this morning? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. And when you're singing, you can hardly be contained inside your body. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes our lungs and our tongues and our, our, our air uh, does not do justice to the praise that wants to come out of our lives. Notice David here is not giving half-hearted praise. He's not giving religious duty kind of praise. He's praising God with everything that is in him. And can I suggest something to you? One of the secrets to enjoying the blessings of God is to give yourself fully to God. I'm going to share something else. One of the secrets to enjoying the blessing of your marriage is to give yourself fully to your spouse. How I mean, you know, this is a picture of intimacy. When I'm all in and she's all in and, and our lives are, are transparent and we love each other and I love her with everything in me. I hope you've shared that with your wife before, guys. I'm trying to help you out this morning. Get a card. I love you with all my heart, with all my soul. It's okay to do that. That's called being in love. How much more does our love go vertical? How much more should we be able to, God, I bless you with all my heart, with all my soul. And people say, well, man, you guys are a little like rowdy there. No, we're passionate. We're not rowdy, we're real. Man, you guys are like enthusiastic. Yeah, we're enthusiastic. We're crazy about Jesus. So it's not a game. We know him, we love him, we're hungry for more of him, we're not ashamed of him. I want everything Jesus has to offer, both now and forevermore. Am I talking to the right crowd? So I don't want to bless him, Lord, with part of my soul, with part of my mouth. I want to give him everything. And listen, listen, listen. When you give him everything, he is the vine, you're the branch. The vine releases the fullness of his life to the branches. So here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm hungry, I'm dry, I'm thirsty. It's like I'm a, I'm a vacuum cleaner for the blessings of God. Are you with me? I'm sucking in it as much as I can get. And that's David's heart here. Can I just tell you guys too, we worship with our intellect. We need, we, we need to have sound doctrine. Can I get an amen? Otherwise, we don't know who we're worshiping. That's all true. We need to worship God with our minds. But listen, it's not enough to have pristine doctrine in a nice box. God's not excited that you can regurgitate doctrine back to him. Worship is about love. It's about passion. It's about relationship. It's about affection. And David is saying with all of his heart, God, I love you. Where would I be apart from you? And God, thank you for all your blessings in my life. I don't know about you, but that is a timeless expression throughout all of human history of redeemed people worshiping the Lord. And so I want to encourage you, yes, pursue God with your mind, but some of you need to get your heart catching up. You need to get your heart catching up. Imagine if I write my wife a, this perfect treatise on love, and I read it in the most boring, dry fashion. My sweetest wife, I love you from the bottom of my heart. I want you to know my love for you. She's like in a coma by the time I get done with the letter. 
How about if I chase her around the kitchen trying to kiss her? That's better, all right? I I chase her around the island because I'm so crazy about her. That communicates much better than me reading some treatise on the nature of love, all right? When we're here, what are we doing? We're pursuing the heart of God. I see some guys laughing, some wives laughing. Some of you are are resisting going, yes, do that. Chase me around the kitchen, please, all right? Um, I'm trying to help you guys out. All right, let's get back to the Bible. We've strayed away. All right. Verse 2, Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness that you've done for me? And in and the, and the King James, says, how can I forget your benefits? Miracles of kindness. How many of you can rehearse the benefits or the kindnesses of God over your life? Now, let me just tell you, we can only rehearse what we know but there's probably a million times more that you don't know of the mercy of God that's been displayed in your life. So he's saying here, I want to speak back to the Lord the benefits that he's poured out on my life. Now, as I read these, if any of you can relate, it's appropriate to express a little bit of passion like, thank you, Lord, you did the same for me, all right? You ready for this? Let's go to verse three. You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. Oh! (laughs) Anybody have your heart kissed by the forgiveness of God? The reason I love this colorful passion translation is, you know, we know God forgives us, but sometimes we think it's like, tell your sister to forgive you. I forgive you. That's not how God forgives. God runs to you, and he kisses your heart out of affection, because it shows his incredible passion to forgive you and to wash away your sins. You kissed my heart in forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. How many of you have a history in this room? How many of you have done things you wished you wouldn't have done? Things you've said, things you've done, uh, activities, things that you've taken part in. And yet, in spite of all that you've done, you've been kissed by the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. Hallelujah. Oh, pastor, pastor, pastor. You don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I have a God that kisses your heart in forgiveness. Pastor, you don't know the kind of life that I've lived. I don't need to know the kind of life that you live. I don't care how dark and perverted and wicked your life was. God is waiting to kiss your heart with forgiveness. That's the good news of the gospel. Nobody is beyond the reach of God's affection and God's kindness. Look at the next part. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. Come on. How many of you how many of you needed your heart to get a little bit healed? In fact, I'm not going to have you raise your hands because some of you would it would expose your lack of awareness. All of us need our hearts healed by Jesus. There's not a single person that's ever come to this church that doesn't need Jesus and doesn't need healing. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care how great your family was. When you go through that life out in that world, you're not going to come through it unscathed. You need healing. That's why I'm grateful for all the opportunities we have to love one another and encourage one another and to let the Holy Spirit heal us. Jesus wants to heal you from the inside out. 
And how many of you have found this to be true? When you get your heart healed, maybe you're full of bitterness, resentment, anger, uh, you've been traumatized, you've been abused, I don't know what your story is, but once you bring that mess to the Lord and you let him kiss your heart, your heart gets healed, and this is what's beautiful, your body follows suit many times, because many times our bodies are sick because our hearts are sick. Many times we're dealing with all kinds of situations because we're sick on the inside. But he heals us from the inside and out from every kind of disease. Well, Pastor, I'm struggling with this, and there's no cure for this. Jesus is a cure for everything. With Jesus, there's hope for everyone. That's the message that we have. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. Let's keep believing God. Let's keep going after him. Let's keep worshiping with everything that's in me. I will bless his holy name and remember his benefits. Let's keep going. So we got forgiveness. We got healing. Oh, man, look at verse 4. You've rescued me from hell and saved my life. Anybody grateful you've been rescued from hell? (laughs) I think the King James says from the pit. Some of you were living in the pits. Your life was the pits. You were living like hell. You were being treated like hell. The devil was beating your brains out, and you had no hope. The Bible says we lived a worthless life. But thank God for his benefits. He plucks us out of hell, and he gives us life abundantly. I'm grateful for the salvation of the Lord today. He he rescued me from hell, and he saved my life. And check this out. I once was a prisoner. Now I'm set free, right? And now I've been crowned with love, I love some of the translations say steadfast love and mercy. Have you pictured yourself? The Lord brings you out of that prison cell where you had a death sentence. He kisses you. He forgives you. He, he takes those filthy rags off of you. He puts on you a robe of righteousness. Man, we sang about it this morning. How I many of you know when it says that we were once paupers, but now we're royalty? Come on. I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. And he takes a crown of kindness and mercy and love, an expression of his heart, and he places it on your head and on my head. That's who you are this morning. Well, Pastor, I've had a rough week. Elevate, elevate, elevate. Get your eyes off of your week and get your eyes on the God who created the week and who's in charge who's the Lion of Judah, who's roaring over the nations of the world. Let's get our eyes on him. Let's believe what he says. Well, Pastor, I'm just not feeling it. I don't care what you're feeling. You're running around naked. Get your clothes on, church. Put your clothes on. Take control. Well, I'm not feeling like a king. Act like a king. It doesn't matter whether you feel like a king. He just crowned you with love and mercy. I'm not feeling love. I don't care if you're feeling love. He says you're loved, and his mercy's crowning on your head like a crown. Believe it and start acting like it, and your life will change. That's the truth of God's word right there. Like I said, I'm not going to preach this morning. I'm just going to read the Bible. (laughs) I'm trying, David. I'm trying. I'm trying not to have five closings this morning, only three. All right. Look at verse 5. Oh, this is getting gooder and gooder. We're still talking about the benefits, forgiveness, healing, salvation, love, mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things. What is this blessing? 
This means you don't have to chase drugs, alcohol, sex, money, power trips, all the other stuff that people are chasing to try to satisfy the deepest desires of your heart. Jesus says, I will satisfy you. I will make you absolutely content and and full of gratitude in me. I will show you that living my way and under my blessings is the best life possible. I'm going to satisfy your every desire with good things. Have y'all ever tried to satisfy your desire with what you thought were good things, but when you ate it, you started getting sick and wanted to puke because what you ate was nasty and the life you lived was destroying you. And the very things that you longed for, you found out were killing you. But God says, I'll give you desires for good things and I'm going to satisfy you with the desires that you have. I'm going to put good things in your life, satisfying things in your life. Listen, nobody should be a church out of some guilt trip or out of being forced to or someone's got a religious gun to your head. How many of you know, you know why I'm here this morning? Well, you're the pastor. No, I'm not. Well, I am, but that's not why I'm here. Here's the way it usually happens. You fall in love with Jesus and you pursue him and then down the road you find out, oh, you're called the pastor. This is not a job for me. If I did not get paid to do this, I would still be doing this, all right? This is not a career option. You know why I'm here? My life has been apprehended by the Son of God and I love him with all that is in me. I love him. I'm pursuing him. I want to live for him. I want to go after him. That's why you come to church. He changes you. You know, I had a butterfly in my backyard yesterday. Anybody have any butterflies flying around your house? I love butterflies. I planted a butterfly bush. When the Bible says you were once an ugly worm working your way across the dirt, and then I look at a butterfly, are you kidding me? And God says that's what happens in your life. I turn you from an ugly worm crawling around in the dirt, and now you're dancing around, multicolored. You can't even catch it, and you don't know where it's going. It is absolutely spectacular to watch, and God says, that's what I made you to be in all of your beauty. Now, how many of you know, I don't want to go back and ever be a worm. My dad was preaching one Sunday to, to men. He was talking about desires. And he said, look, if you still have a desire to go whore around, you have a desire to go back and get drunk and get high and do all these other things, this is what he said, go do it. All of a sudden, you could hear a pin drop. And this is what he said, because you're going to find out either you fit and you belong and you're still a pig and you wallow with the pigs and you like mud and you like filth, or you're going to realize for the first time in your life Something has changed on the inside, and you don't fit in the pig pen any longer. Look at verse 5. You satisfy my every desire with good things. I love this. You have supercharged my life. (laughs) So that I soar like... Like a flying eagle in the sky. How many of you had your life supercharged since Jesus came into your life? 
What I'm talking about is you got a motor on the inside now. You're living for a purpose. You don't just fall out of bed in the morning, wonder why you're here. You wake up with a sense of purpose. You wake up with a sense of passion. You wake up with a sense of joy. You wake up alive on the inside. I can't believe on the outside how old I am because on the inside, I'm just getting started, you guys. I am I'm passionate on the inside. I've been supercharged by the Holy Spirit. It's called being born again. It's called being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We get to soar like eagles, high above, get in those winds of God, and we get to soar, and we get to see. How many of you know when you get supercharged, you have a vision for your life? You're no longer walking around with your head in the ground like a chicken pecking. God turned you from a chicken into an eagle. Come on, how many of you know that's, a, that's an exchange? You're not pecking the ground, man. You're flying. You're supercharged. And I want you to see this shift that David makes. How many of you have figured out, you know, we used to teach our kids this, still teach our kids this. When they get gifts at Christmas time, you don't just stop. I come to talk, you guys talk to my ladies here in the front. You guys are sharp. Come on, thumbs up right there. You guys get gifts at Christmas? A lot of them stuff. Family, grandmas and grandmas. Do you like rip them all open just as fast as you can and just take them off to your room? I hope not, right? What do you do? You open it up and then, first of all, what do you do when you get the gift? I give you a gift. What do you do? Thank you. That's good. She said, thank you. Do you want to know who it's from? You do, don't you? Because the gift should point you back to the one who gave it. So David's going, God, I thank you for your blessings. I love you, Lord. I honor you. And, and, and then he's going, wow, I'm going to look at the character of the one who just blessed me with all these benefits. Now look what David finds in the character of God. I'm going to hit these real quick. Verse 6, you're a God who makes things right, giving justice to the defenseless and the oppressed. How many of you know God is a God of justice? How many of you in this room love justice? You hate it when you see things that are not right. In fact, there's a lot of anger right now in people's hearts because we see through the hypocrisy, we see political hypocrisy, we see injustice, and it stirs us up on the inside because we just go, that is not right. Uh, people should not be losing jobs over this thing, or people should not be experiencing that, or how come there's a double standard? Or I mean, you know, this it causes us to be angry on the inside. Am I speaking to the right crowd? Now, that is the nature of God inside of you. And then we say we want to, when you're fighting for the oppressed or you're fighting for downtrodden or you're fighting for people who have experienced injustice, you're acting and you're carrying the heart of God. Now let me just tell you the other side of the coin. We, we will all experience injustice in this side of eternity. You say, man, I got ripped off. That's not fair. I got a raw deal. Welcome to life this side of heaven, all right? But here's what you need to hear. God does not allow anything to get swept under the rug, and there are no secret deals with God. I mean, I think right now there, there are certain politicians who should be in jail for what they've done, all right? Should be in jail. But listen, we got all the backroom stuff and the deals and the corruption and all that. I'll, 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 I'll keep your garbage hidden. You keep my garbage hidden. Listen, there's a God in heaven who knows all the garbage, Every minute detail and the beauty of the Lord is that he's going to return. And the Bible says we're all going to stand before him and give an account for the life that we've lived. Now, how many of you think those benefits we just talked about are going to come in really handy on that day? 
like he's kissed my heart and forgiven my sins. Hallelujah. I'm not standing before the great tribunal of God Almighty, all right? I'm not, I'm not going to be there. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus, all right? I'm, I'm just moving right along. But all the folks that have been uh, perpetrating injustice, all the ISIS, all the Taliban nonsense, the wickedness, the, the absolute injustice that we're seeing in the world today, I want you to know God is going to deal with it all. He is a God of justice. He cares about the broken. He cares about the defenseless. He cares about the weak. And he loves it when we act in the same fashion. Look at what it says next. I jumped on to verse 8. Lord, you're so kind and tenderhearted. And you're so patient with people who fail you. Anybody fail the Lord in here? Sometimes we've had earthly fathers. I've been guilty of this. It's like, when are you going to get it? How many times do I have to tell you? Uh, anybody have those kind of, I'm probably speaking somebody's scripts in here. The Lord does not act that way towards us. It says he is tenderhearted and kind and patient with people who fail him. So the Lord hasn't written anybody off in this room. He's not sitting there with his arms folded like, when are you guys going to figure it out? He is patient and long-suffering towards us. Look what it says next. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. If, I, if you could picture this being a, a river running through this sanctuary, here's what I'm trying to tell you. There's so much of God's love and kindness coursing through this river, all y'all are wet. Splashes over. Everybody on all the sides is wet. Have you ever been to the amusement park, that big log ride that goes down, and when it hits the bottom, there's that place on the deck you can stand, and it launches that, that big, you know what I'm talking about? And if you're not careful, it will knock a small child over. That's the kindness of God coming your way, all right? That's the kindness of God coming your way. Or you see that at the, at the park where it's got the humongous a bucket that's filling up with water, and then you hear the ding, 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 and everybody holds on to their... To their shorts and you stand under it right because there's so much water coming over you it will absolutely rip everything off that's the love of god for you and for me his people it's the kindness of god it's the mercy of god it's amazing it's amazing overflowing its banks with kindness verse 9 you don't look at us only to find our faults God is not critical. He's not fault-finding. He's not bitter. He's not resentful. He doesn't just look at us to find our faults just so he can hold a grudge against us. That's not how he is. He says he might discipline us for our sins because he's a loving father, but never as much as we really deserve because he's so merciful and kind. Nor do you get even with us. Thank the Lord for that. He doesn't get even with us for what we've done. God is not vengeful. He's not, he's not critical or fault-finding. He's an amazing Father. Higher than the highest heavens, that's how high your tender mercy extends. Greater than the grandeur of heaven above is the greatness of your loyal love, towering over all who fear you and who bow before you. Now, all through the Psalms, you have a comparison between the righteous and the wicked. Can I, I just got to be honest with you this morning. These are some amazing promises, but they're conditional promises. 
over and over in this, in this verse, you see these promises are for those who fear you and bow before you in humility. Therefore, your beloved children, they're for those who live in awe of you. They're for those who are submitted to you. Listen, you can't play both sides of the fence. If you want to live the blessed life, if you want to walk in the goodness of God, we don't earn all of this by our good works. That's for sure. We earn it because of Jesus. We get it because of Jesus by grace. But listen, once we've been converted, there is a responsibility upon God's people to love Him, to obey Him, to live in reverence to Him, to tremble at His Word, to walk in submission to God. And you cannot have it both ways. If you want everything in Psalm 103, it requires all of you submitted to all of Him. And so he says here, these promises are for those who fear you and who bow before you. Look at verse 12. Farther from, the, uh, from a sunrise to a sunset or from the east to the west, that's how far the Lord has removed our guilt from us. The same way a loving father feels towards his children. But that's only a sample of your tender feelings towards us, your beloved children who live in awe of you. You know, I love the song selection this morning. It could have been more perfect. Talked about how the Lord sings and dances over us when we're unaware. I told the story. Some of you have heard it. It's powerfully impacted me. When, when I became a father and my daughter, Lauren, my firstborn, I, I would hear her make little noises at night. And I'd jump out of my bed and I'd run in there and I would look over her crib. I'd see this perfect little baby in there. And one day, the Holy Spirit snuck up on me because he's always pursuing our hearts, isn't he? And I'm looking at how much I love my daughter. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm looking at her little fingers and her little toes and her cute little cheeks, and I'm thinking how much I love her. And this is what the Lord said. See what you're doing over your daughter right now? I do that over you every night of your life. I started weeping. I started losing it. I started realizing, oh my gosh, here I am as a father feeling this affection for my child. How much more does my heavenly father look over me, dream about the purpose he has for my life, how much he loves me, looks how at my fingertips, he knows how I'm fashioned inside and out. He knows everything about me, and he's not looking at me to judge me and condemn me and hurt me. He's looking at me with such affection. He sings over me. He dances with joy over my life. He loves me. He saves me from hell. He washes me clean. He lifts my head so I'm not ashamed any longer so I can look at him. And he frees me so I can love him. And he dreams. He's got, son, I have such, I have such a plan for your life. I have such dreams for your life. I know why I made you. I know why I shaped you. I know why the beginning from the end. I'm so excited over you. That's the truth. That's the truth. My life has never been the same since then. I mean, you know, listen, one word from God to you personally will ruin you forever. (laughs) 
I want to be ruined over and over and over again with the love of God. I don't know about you, but I want the love of God to overwhelm me and ruin me and break me and change me. I want to be so overcome and so transformed. You guys are preaching way too much. I got to get done here. Look at verse 15. It reminds us of how short life is. Our days are so few, and our momentary beauty so swiftly fades away. And then all of a sudden we're gone. Like grass clippings blown away in a gust of wind, taken away to our appointment with death, leaving nothing to show that we were even here. I mean, you know, what, a, what an apt description of how short life is and a reminder that we all have an appointment with death. How many of you want to maximize your life, however long it is, for the glory of God? Am I speaking to the right crowd? Amen. Let's, I've had to do a flurry of funerals in the last six weeks, probably six funerals in the last six weeks, which is highly unusual for Livingstone's family. Some old, some young. But every time I do a funeral, it reminds me that life's a gift and we have no promise for tomorrow and that how we live today matters. And we don't want, to be, we don't want our lives to be like grass has been cut and the wind blows it away and there's nothing to show for our lives. So we, we live and we base our lives on the truth in God's word. And we ask the Lord to maximize his purpose for us. Verse 17, but Lord, your endless love stretches from one eternity to another. Look at this. It's unbroken and it's unrelenting toward those who fear you and those who bow face down in awe before you. I want you to hear two things about the love of God. It's unbroken, which means, listen to me, there's never a millisecond of time when you're not absolutely loved by your Father. In other words, there's no break. It's, it's unbroken love. He sets his affection on you. He, he tears the veil off. You see Jesus. There's an awakening in your heart. You're born again. And at that time, his love never stops for you in, in the fullness of his unfailing love for you. And I want you to see the other thing. That's why I was talking about chasing my wife around the kitchen. His love is unrelenting which means sometimes we might not be clicking and, you know, things are a little quiet and we're working through something because somebody's feelings got hurt and our love is no longer, it, it has stopped being unrelenting. Y'all know what I'm talking about. God's love never stops. He chases you down all the time. He's waiting to encounter you. He's after you. He's pursuing you. How many of you love being pursued? God pursues you. Somebody say, I don't feel very loved. The Bible says his love for you is unending. The Bible says it's unrelenting, means he keeps coming. That's an awesome God. Awesome God. Let me get to the last verses here, and then we're going to worship with communion. This is a great psalm, huh? Two of you like it. That's awesome. All right. Your faithfulness to keep every gracious promise you've made, listen to this, moms and dads, passes from parents to children to grandchildren and beyond. This is an incredible promise. Sarah's so saying, man, you know, my son right now, my daughter right now, uh, here's what I do. Lord, I thank you that your benefits over my life mean that my seed 
are going to my parents, to children, to grandchildren, and beyond, and are going to enjoy the benefits and the blessings of knowing you. I prophesy that over my offspring and their offspring, because that's part of my covenant with the Lord. Yahweh has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules the entire universe. Jesus is king of the world. And now David says, look, bless the Lord, all you messengers of power. We're talking to the angels. For you are his mighty heroes who listen intently to the voice of his word to do it. Bless and praise the Lord, you mighty warriors, ministers who serve him well and fulfill his desires. I will bless and praise the Lord with my whole heart. Let all of his works, everything and everyone made by God, all of his works throughout the entire earth, wherever his dominion stretches, let everything bless the Lord. Wow! David, David is so overwhelmed personally. He gazes at, the, at God Almighty and then he erupts. And let me just tell you this. This should be the passion in everybody's heart in this place if you love Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I cannot wait for Jesus to display the power of his ruling and reign over the entire planet and the whole cosmos. Jesus is bigger and more powerful than everybody combined. That's our God. That's the God we celebrate. And listen, when we come up to take communion, this is the God you are in covenant with. I have a ring on my finger. I can't get it off because my knuckles are too fat now. I can't, I can't get it off. But my wife and I, we look at these rings because this ring means we are in covenant. It means she is absolutely unique. There's no other woman on planet Earth that is in covenant with me. And so we look at these rings. It reminds us of the special relationship that we have. When you come up to receive communion today, number one, it's, it's a family meal, which means you need to be in Christ. You need to be part of the family. This is not something for everybody to partake of, but here's the good news. You can become part of the family today. If, you're, if you don't know Christ, all those blessings I just talked about, they're for every lover of Jesus. If you love Jesus and submit your life to him, they're for you. What an amazing bargain. Plucked out of hell, given life, satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. Oh my gosh, mercy, kindness, tenderness, forgiveness. Come on, what a deal. So anybody here that says, Pastor, I haven't really submitted my life to Christ. I can't worship God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but I would love to. Great, you come up today. Let us lead you to Christ. For the rest of you, here's what I want you to do. When you take of his broken body and you drink his shed blood, it's a reminder of everything he did for you. And Psalm 103 is part of the covenant. It's part of the covenant. That, that's for you. So what do you do? You, you take his body and you eat it and you remember that he, his body was broken and beaten beyond recognition so that you could be healed of your sin and so that your body could be made whole. And so if you need healing today, thank the Lord for the covenant. When you drink of that cup that represents his blood, realize that it was his blood that covers your sin. It was his blood that was shed to bring you into right relationship with him. So when you drink that together, maybe you're with your family or you're with some friends, pause for a moment here, out in the hallway, wherever you want to be, but pause for a moment and pray and thank God 
for his many benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Let's praise him for that. And we're just, you know, we're family here, all right? So there's nothing religious about what's going on. This, this is family. This is about our dad. This is about our covenant with Jesus. And so I encourage you, love one another. Hug one another. Pray together with one another. We're family here. This is a family meal. It's Labor Day. We're having a, we're having a party right now celebrating the goodness of King Jesus, all right? So, Lord, I bless everyone. I thank you, Lord, for my family here. Lord, we love you. We're all miracles in this house. And I pray, Lord, as we celebrate now what you did for us on the cross. God, I ask you to release salvation and healing and and deliverance. Heal us on the inside. Heal us on the outside. Touch our bodies today, Lord. And Lord, make us come alive. Supercharge us for the work that you've called us to do. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. How How could we ever thank you enough, Lord? We just want to kiss back for all that you've done for us. We love you. We thank you. We look forward for the days ahead, Lord, with all that you provide. So, Father, bless us now. Bless these emblems, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's, the, here's what we're going to do. Uh, just as you're ready, come on up. We've got folks that will be serving you on this side. If I could have my helpers come on up here. Folks serving you over here. All I would ask is maybe as you partake, um, some of you can head out that, that door there or work your way around the outside into the foyer so we don't have a traffic flow problems with the next uh, service coming in. But hey, we love you guys. We bless you. Have an amazing weekend, all right? Let's celebrate the Lord together.